Hey guys, thanks for joining me again for another video. Today we're talking about taking back the time for your marriage. Your marriage, in order for it to be healthy and strong, you've got to spend some time together. And in one of the other videos, the one I just finished, we talked about taking your children, taking your marriage back from your children, rescuing your marriage from your children. Today we're going to talk about uh, one of the other challenges when you think about busy work schedules and you know individual interests and hobbies and overscheduled activities, involvement in community activities or church activities, um, not to mention television and internet and social media. All of these things uh, become distractions away from uh, working to improve and spend quality time together. And so we're going to talk about that today and rescuing your marriage from from these competitors um, like uh, time and, and all this stuff. All right. So there's um, most couples probably feel a sense of like uh, time deprived or starved uh, from each other. In fact, if you don't feel that, that could be an indication that there may be some uh, challenges. You know, if if you're thinking, you know, I think we spend too much time together already. Um, that could be a warning that maybe things aren't so healthy. So if you don't care that uh, your husband or your wife is gone all the time, um, involved at work or involved in committees and that kind of thing, that might be an indication that maybe there's some problems uh, if you're glad that they're gone. Um, so that may be that you don't like them very much and we may need to work on some, um, you know, building that relationship back up. But I think most couples probably would like to spend some more time together. At least one of the individuals in that couple would really like to spend more time together. And um, uh, we want to talk about how important that is today. Sometimes this can lead to what is called the uh, pursuer distancer in the relationship. It means one person is kind of the pursuer and the other person is uh, the distancer and so when the pursuer you know who feels this need that I want more attention I want more involvement I want more connection leans in on the person that is the distancer the distancer feels threatened because they feel like <clears throat> I already give enough time I already we already have enough time together what's the problem and they'll may start to resent the push of the pursuer leaning in and then the distancer in sort of like a act of of self-protection will distance themselves further from the pursuer you know and which makes the pursuer feel all the more um, frustrated and hurt and um, continues to pursue and so this this can create a dynamic that if not acknowledged and addressed um, can frustrate both people in the relationship and when the pursuer in the relationship kind of gets to the end of pursuing, now we got some maybe some real problems because now both of us are are you know kind of feeling disconnected from the marriage and maybe apathetic and just I don't even care anymore. The, when the pursuer says I don't even care anymore if we get together if we spend time together, um, now maybe we've got some real problems because now we've got you know some real apathy in that relationship and how is it going to get better how is the marriage going to get better if nobody's pursuing time together conversation together communication in other words the marriage is now up on a shelf and and there's a good chance that it's not going to stay there that maybe the couple is going to end up feeling more like roommates than than a married couple and may end up splitting up 
or could just go on autopilot for a long time and um, you know be more like roommates, more like ships passing in the night than than a married couple, um, which isn't healthy, especially if you're raising kids. Um, that's not really when you think about when you got married. You know, when you were standing there at the altar looking in each other's eyes, you you hopefully weren't envisioning that we would just, you know, put up with each other. I hope that wasn't, or that we would just, you know, be roommates. I hope that you were envisioning more for your marriage than that. And a lot of couples just settle. They just settle for, for so much less than what, you know, the marriage could be. So much less than what their home could be. Um, and we don't want to do that. Now, we're going to talk about today the things that are competing against the other forces that are competing. We've talked about the consumer mentality and how dangerous that is when we go into the marriage. You know, am I getting what I want and what I need from this other person? We need to have the other person as the priority and and be focused on meeting their needs. And, you know, if both of us would do that, of course, our own needs would be met. But when we're keeping a list, you know, and checking it off at the end of the day, I know probably you're not keeping a real list. I mean, maybe some of you are. We'll pray for you. But if you're keeping a list, you know, a mental list of rights and wrongs done, uh, remember, love keeps no records of wrongs. Um, So we want to, if you keep a list, keep a list of what can I do for her? What can I do for the other person? Um, And we've talked about the consumer-oriented mentality, um, how dangerous that is. We've talked about how children, you know, can be very demanding and and their needs are going to be urgent right now. You meet them right now. And so the marriage can kind of suffer as you try to focus on meeting the needs of the kids. And today we want to go a little deeper and talk about some of the other things that, that threaten your marriage um, and the time that you need to spend together as a couple. Now, in this book, Taking Back Your Marriage, the author really hasn't talked about you know, a, a a number of how many hours is appropriate or expected. And I know probably some of you are thinking, well, you know, how many, how much time should I spend? How much time should we expect to spend deliberately husband and wife as a couple? Um, I don't know. That's, that's a tough question to specifically answer. I know Willard Harley in his books on his needs, her needs and love busters and and uh, what else is up there? I got a shelf full of his books. Uh, it's all good stuff. His thing is that it needs to be 15 hours a week. And what, what he'll say is there ought to be 15 hours a week of family time, okay, where it's you and her and the kids. And then in addition to that, there should be 15 hours a week that's just you and her. Um, and probably if you're hearing this for the first time, that, that may sound like an overwhelming number, especially if, you know, you're not a homeschooling family that has this downtime, you know, together as a family. But if you're the typical family, you know, kids in school and both of you working, and that may sound like an insurmountable amount of time, 15 hours a week with the kids going to museums and picnics and you know, going to the movies together and riding bikes together. And so, you know, that's a couple hours a day as a family going for walks together, that kind of thing. And then in addition to that, 15 hours of just uh, her and I, um, you know, I mean, if you had a good date night, if you had a regular date night during the week, like Thursday night or Friday night or something like that, that could be three, four, five hours of that right there. Um, But so... 
I don't know that I can give you a guideline per se, but that's the one that is suggested by Willard Harley. And I think that might be a good goal for you to work toward. If you're not anywhere close to that, maybe you could work toward something like that. Maybe you could start with just five hours a week, five hours a week, family time, you know, dedicated. And maybe some of that comes on the weekends and five hours dedicated to her and I, and maybe that's a good starting point, And then just try to work to increase that. And probably the more you work to increase that, the more valuable it will become to you. So, okay, let's, 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 let's continue on. So we talked about the pursuer distancer or the withdrawer distancer. That's what's mentioned in the book. I like, I use the term when I work with couples, I use the term, the brakes and the accelerator. Uh, one of you is kind of like the brakes. You know, let's think about the way you spend money. There's one of you that's probably the accelerator that says, I don't have a problem spending money. We have it. Let's do it. Let's use it. You know, let's go have a good time. And then there's a, the other one is usually the brakes um, is inclined more to say, well, let's not really spend that money. Well, let's hold on to that. Let's pay our bills first. Same thing probably with how you use time. There's probably one of you that's kind of like the accelerator. It says, let's go, you know, um, do this thing together. And the other one, you know, is maybe a little bit more hesitant. So in the relationship, in terms of like pursuing each other, one of you is more of the accelerator probably that feels the need more, the greater need to spend time together. And the other one is more of the break says, I think we spend enough time together as it is. And just realize that that's pretty common when relationships get a little bit, you know, when, when they don't feel like they're meeting each other's needs, uh, one of you will probably feel that more than the other. Um, okay, so let's see what else here we got. Um, many couples, okay, so many couples never look broadly at their lives to assess the competition for their marriage. In other words, you, you may sense that, wow, my husband spends a lot of time at work. I, and I'm frustrated that he's, you know, he's working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Um, why can't he just work 40 or 50 hours like everybody else? And this is really hurting our marriage. And so you might begin to just blame work. Um, or blame the other person's hobby. Maybe your your spouse, you know, goes hunting all fall, or or maybe they, you know, whatever. You might you might become angry at the church that they're involved in, or angry at the community association that they're the lodge or whatever they're involved in, as if that's the problem. And then you begin blaming. You say everything would be fine if you would just get out of that committee. Everything would be fine if you would just get out of if you just change jobs. And that's kind of oversimplifying things. Um, you, you know, all of their time maybe not given to that committee. Um, and maybe if, if they would just limit their involvement a little better in hunting or limit their involvement a little better fishing, it wasn't an every weekend activity. Again, what are we working for? Balance. If it could be balanced a little bit more and say, look, if I'm going to give you know, a lot of attention to my hobby and I'm going to be gone, you know, all these Saturdays or all these Sundays doing this thing or all these weeknights doing this committee or whatever, then I need to make sure that I then also balance that with attention and time for us as a couple and us as a family. So whatever time I'm, I'm giving to my hobby or my interests or my uh, my job that is over, you know, what is normal, which would be 40 to 50 hour a week, whatever I'm giving in addition to that, to these things, I need to make up for and balance uh, my home life with all these other interests. 
And if you could be a little more balanced and say, look, instead of going hunting or fishing, you know, or to the baseball games or whatever it is that you do, instead of doing that, and the wife could be doing these things too. I mean, the wife could very much be, you know, involved in whatever pursuits or interests to her. Um, if I'm going to be doing this, then maybe instead of being gone four weekends, you know, four Saturdays out of the month, what if I was gone, you know, two Saturdays, and then the other two Saturdays were were you and I were a couple. We went out and we did something together that we both enjoy. Or at least one out of the three, out of the four. So if we did, if I did three, where I'm doing my thing and she's doing her thing, and then we we schedule one of those, and then maybe one other day during the week somewhere where we can get some time where we have a day off or something, maybe there could be a little more balance. And it's kind of oversimplifying things to say work is the problem, your job is the problem, or your church is the problem, or your. Um, if we could balance things a little bit better. Um, then maybe, you know, and not only that, but another thing that's brought up in this book that I think is helpful is when you have to be gone, uh, you know, maybe you have to be gone because your work is exploding and things are growing and it's demanding more time. If, if, you, could, if you could communicate that uh, you've got to be gone in the right way, in a different way, then maybe it wouldn't be so destructive to your marriage. In other words, instead of saying, well, I can't help it, you know, everybody's got to work overtime. And you knew this when, when I took this job, when we moved here and I took this job, you knew that if things started to take off, it was going to take more time from my schedule. And I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. When you communicate it that way, it comes across as if, you know, you don't care that this is taking time away from your marriage. And so that can seem and sound hurtful. And you're just you're just saying, look, I don't have any control over this and this is just the way it is and I'm sorry. Um, but you're communicating in such a way that it just seems like it's cold and sterile and it doesn't bother you. Think how much healthier it would be to the other person if you could communicate it in a way that, that um, that communicates some regret or some sympathy and just say, you know, look, I would really love to spend more time together and I hope that we can do that maybe next week or something. Um, and I wish I could get away from all this nonsense at work. It's crazy. I would love to be with you and uh, I'm sorry that I've got to work these extra hours, uh, but I'm going to come home as soon as possible. Just that communication style, just that difference, just communicating some empathy and some regret that you have to be away for so long could do a lot in softening the, uh, the blow, uh, especially if the other person is the pursuer and you're the distancer, could do a lot to you know, soften that blow of, uh, of being gone so much. And then again, work toward balance and say, well, if I had to work all weekend last weekend, then I need to make up for that in some way this week. I need, and not just, okay, well, you can then go. Since I had to be gone all weekend last weekend, then this weekend you, you go, and then we're fair. We're not looking for you know, things to be fair like that. What we're looking for is, is harmony and balance in the marriage. And what I mean is, it's not like, well, the husband was gone last weekend hunting, so the wife deserves this weekend to be gone with her friends you know, doing whatever she wants to do. That, because that's still robbing time from your marriage. 
okay? The way you should think about it is one of a, we had to be apart last weekend. So the balance then is this weekend we should be together. You know, that's what we're working for, the balance. Now, it would be great if you could get your schedules to work in such a way that if I'm going on my thing, then maybe you could go on your thing at the same time. But again, with kids, sometimes that can be a little bit impossible. But so don't think balance like, well, we're getting even with each other. You had your weekend. Now I've got my weekend. And so because we're working for the marriage, the marriage was separated last weekend. So the marriage maybe could come together this week and we could spend some time together um, building that, that marriage together. Okay, and then when you do get off work, you know, and you do come home from all those committee meetings, what are you spending your time doing? Again, we we'll go back to the last video, and maybe it's arguing with kids. You know, they're going to demand all of your attention. You need to help with homework. We need to help with, you know, we got to go get the soccer uniform. We got to go pick up the book schedules. We got to go get, you know, all the demands they have. Plus, just they want to spend time with you too. You know, they deserve some time with you. Um, and if you've been gone a lot, work and committee meetings and your hobbies or your interests and all that, they want to spend some time with you. And that gets back to that concept that Har Harley mentions of it's going to take some time. It's going to take time dedicated. You need to just, you know, realize that it's going to take some dedicated time with my kids and some dedicated time with my marriage or these things. Here's the thing to consider. These things are not static. And what I mean is they don't, they're not, they don't stay where they are. Think of it always like in a river. Okay. If your marriage, your family life and all that is sitting in the river, uh, it's always floating and drifting and it can drift away from you. It doesn't just remain static, you know, in the, like where you left it. Well, I left my marriage, you know, uh, last week and then I went and did this thing and I come back and I expect it to be right where it was. Or my family involvement, I expect my kids and everything to be right where it was. No, they're drifting away from you. Your marriage, your kids and all that is always drifting away from you. So you got to be paddling and working, you know, to get it going in the right direction. And so when you, it's kind of like a garden. There's a good example. I know a lot of us don't do gardening anymore. Uh, I tried it once and then I found out it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, and I didn't want all the chemicals and all that stuff. So in gardening, you know, when you, when you, you plan everything, you can't just walk away and say, well, there, it's done, you know. I planted it all and look how nice and neat the rows are and now I'm done. I'll come back in, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, and I'll just I'll just reap all the benefits from it. It isn't the way it works. It takes attention, uh, daily attention. You know, you gotta go out there at least every other day or every third day, go out there and pull weeds and intend to it, or it becomes overgrown with weeds. Another great example down here where we live in Florida is swimming pools. You can't just, you know, clean the filter, vacuum the pool, put the chemicals in it, and then walk away and expect that it's just going to remain, you know, clear, pristine water. It takes constant time and attention. I mean, every other day or every third day, you got to go out there and do a little maintenance, always maintenance. Or what happens? It just starts getting murky and green. That's what happens to your home. And some of your homes are, you know, pretty murky and, you know, pretty muddy, pretty silty and uh, you know, looking kind of cloudy. And your relationships with your kids and your relationship with your wife are always gonna be drifting you know, and getting weeds in them if you don't attend to it. And then when those weeds are pointed out to you and that makes you upset or angry and then you, re you know, retaliate in hostility like it's their fault because you haven't been tending to your home or tending to your marriage, you got some real, you need a wake up call, okay? 
Uh, you need a wake-up call. Look, I've been doing this for 30 years almost. Uh, my wife and I dated for four years before we were married. This year will be 28 years. Five kids, and um, I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still you know, figuring things out as I go. And we're always working to improve, always trying to make things you know, better and stronger in our home. And it takes, it takes dedication, time, and attention. Um, and, and that should be enjoyable. It should be enjoyable. Uh, and I hope if it's not for you that it will, will become that. If it's not, then just pursue. Push in and do what needs to be done until doing what needs to be done comes naturally. Okay. So what else? If, you, if you're away from each other, you know, communicate that you missed each other. You know, oh, I wish it could be different. I wish we could be together more. Maybe next weekend, maybe this week sometime, we could carve out some time um, to be together. Don't just say, well, this is the way it is. You knew it when I, when we, when I took this job. You knew it when, when you married me that I was a real estate investor and it's going to take a lot of time. You know, that's not, that's not helpful. That's destructive. All right. So most spouses don't cope well with unpredictability. All right, so like if you're going to have to work late, for example, that's what they're talking about. If you're going to have to work late or, you, you know, your, your committee meeting is going to go over time. You're supposed to be at home at 9, but it's now 10 o'clock, you know. And so use the telephone. Well, you have a telephone in your pocket, right? So text. Use the telephone. Let them know. You know, some of us like, like unpredictability. We like not knowing what's coming next. But that really doesn't work good in a marriage. Um, try to be as predictable as possible. If you're doing anything that's out of the norm, you might want to text that information and say, look, it's going to be a little longer than I thought. I'm sorry. Um, predictability it breeds safety and security. And safety and security breeds intimacy. Okay? So be predictable. Don't bring in a lot of surprises, especially with your schedule and all that. Let, let your spouse know when something changes immediately. Let them know. Uh, and then express your regret. Okay? Express your regret. The biggest problem is with this is when the spouse feels like they're playing second fiddle to whatever it is you're doing. Your job is more important. And it may not be. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not. But that doesn't help them when they feel that way, that they feel that the job is second is more important. They feel like they're, they're, they can never compete with your job because all of your time and attention. And then when you come home, what are you talking about? For some of us, you know, you go home and you want to talk about your job because that's there's there maybe conflict is going on there, or challenges are going on there, or opportunities are possible there, and you want to talk about these things with your spouse, but be careful about bringing all of this work, you know, and all this excitement, and all this attention, and all this frustration, and all this energy that's all work stuff. You're bringing it home. Um, on the other hand, when your mind is clouded with all of that, it's hard to be intimate and pay attention to your spouse. So, the recommendation would be maybe to to just be honest about it. Honest with your spouse and say, look, there's a lot of things going on at work right now and it's hard for me to concentrate and focus uh, at home because of all this, you know, challenges that I'm facing right now at work. And if we could talk about it for just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then limit that, you know, really, really work hard to limit that. And, and talk about those things for a few minutes and just at least let them know that your mind is distracted and this is why it's distracted. And then maybe the spouse could be more sympathetic and say, wow, it sounds like you're going through a lot at work. And you know, that 
that intimacy of sharing that is a good thing for the marriage if they're willing to talk about your work for a while um, and recognize that the other person may not be all that interested in, in your work, may not even understand your work and all the relationships and dynamics that are going on at your work. So be sympathetic to that. But if you could be honest and say, look, there's so many things going on at work right now that are distracting me and I, I just... I need to process it a little bit. Can we talk about this for just a few minutes? Chances are that, you know, if things are decently healthy, that they'll say, okay, and then you can talk about it for 10, 15 minutes. And then and then you make sure you cut it off and say, you know, thank you for, for being understanding about this. Thank you for helping me process this. And uh, I really appreciate that. And then turn the conversation back to now maybe we can, you know, Bring the conversation back to to things that are relatable to both of us. You know, again, back to couple time rather than work time. Um, so the sheer amount of time we spend at work sometimes and the energy we give it can can be a threat, you know, to uh, the intimacy of the marriage. And we overschedule, and not just at work, but in other areas of our life, we overschedule all the stuff we want to get done, and all the commitments, and all the times we said yes to people. And that means maybe be some boundary issues, which we're going to do some videos on boundaries as well. Being able to say no to people uh, can be hard because you want to make people happy. But we'll spend some time on that in the future. Um, so when you get home, you know, with all this energy at work and committees and all this, then what happens? Sometimes we just kind of collapse in front of the TV get the phone out, start playing Candy Crush or texting all the people we need to text, grandma and everybody. And then the kids, you know, they're arguing for their needs to be met. And again, what happens is not a lot of attention is given to the couple, to the marriage. Um, and that can be, you know, detrimental. Because really there's, you know, 100 people out there that can interrupt your schedule at any time. They have access to your cell phone number. They have access to your email. They have access to your and text. And... Um, and so you kind of have, you know, not a lot of attention given to any one person. It's just like the scattered attention everywhere and the TV's on. So you're texting three people at the same time. Your kids are barking at you. Your spouse is neglected. The TV's on and you just, everybody has this sort of in and out attention all the time, uh, like attention deficit disorder. We all seem to like have this ADD, ADHD, where we're not really giving anyone real attention and so if we can like maybe create some rules in our house or some just some personal guidelines that maybe you live by where I'm not gonna put pick up my phone right now my phone's gonna sit over on the shelf I'll pick it up before I go to bed tonight and look at it but I'm not just answering every text every you know call whatever I'm just gonna let that sit for a little bit that idea of not answering your phone for some of you is just an overwhelming thought you got to answer it it's ringing you don't have to answer it you don't have to respond. I mean, if it's an emergency, maybe they'll call you two or three times and then you realize, okay, this is an emergency. But most calls are not an emergency. Even if the other person thinks it's an emergency, it's not necessarily an emergency. Uh, and even if it is, maybe you can get back in three hours and, you know, and that'd be fine. But that idea of not answering your phone immediately or not answering a text immediately for some of you is a wake-up call. You've gotten so attached to those distractions that you can't imagine not looking at your phone for just, you know, three hours. That's an overwhelming thought. Just putting it on a shelf and leaving it. Um, and that may be exactly what you need to do for a week. Just, I'm only going to look at my phone, you know, these 
four times in the day, nine o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, before I go to bed at night, and that's it. I mean, just try that for a week and see if it does anything, if it makes any difference. It's like, you know, you might go through some withdrawals, panic attacks, you know, um, but it may do wonders for your ability to attend to the people that are most important in your life. Think about that. The people that are most important in your life get the leftovers of your attention. How is that right? But that they but they'll put up with it. See, your boss at work won't put up with that. You know, the people in your committee won't put up with that. But your your spouse and your kids, the people that you love the most, sometimes get the least or the worst quality of your time and the worst quality of your attention. In other words, they get the leftovers. They get the leftovers. Your best time, your best attention is dedicated to people that at the end of the day aren't the priority of your life. That's the problem. So let's work together to regain balance. Let's not be afraid to put all of our many activities and important things that we're doing, urgent things that we're doing, and balance that. Put those on the side for a little bit and balance it with giving time, attention, um, and you know, a lot of times that quality of time happens when there's quantity of time spent. You know, those those brief little moments, those memorable moments, often happen when you didn't schedule them to happen. You were just out together. You're just walking around, you know, some historical site, looking at some fort, and uh, those little moments just happen while you're spending qu quantities of time together. But those quantities of time don't ha don't happen by accident. You got to schedule it. You got to make it a priority. You got to make a decision that that's important to you. And I know it is. I know it is. Um, all right. So I think that's good. I think we've covered it. Um, as I always say, be present to life. You know, watch the Enneagram videos to understand a little bit more about what I mean by that. Uh, being present, really being there, um, not just you know. Uh, a shell of you being there, not just your dominant personality traits being there, but you actually being present. And that needs to start at home, being present in your marriage, being present with your kids, uh, being present there first. What good does it matter if you make everybody in the world your friend and your family and your kids suffer, your wife and your marriage suffer as a result of that? That needs to be your priority and that's, and that, and that you know, creates a great foundation for a great life. So thank you guys, man. I'm enjoying this. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And if you stuck it all the way to the end of this video, then it just, it just, um, solidifies your determination to, to get on the right track and do the right thing. And, um, you're going to be, you're going to be blessed for that. You're going to be rewarded for that. Um, so thank you for joining me on this journey and I wish you the best. Have a great day and, uh, be present.